If I told you what that what I put them lads through, you wouldn't believe it. Curling has to be the most difficult, eye-hurting sport I've ever witnessed. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been described as the bridesmaids of Harlan, but today we got married. Oh, there's no rules. This guy just grabbed the ball, threw it up in the air, and then hit it. Both, both of hearts, like, I'd like to thank you, the people of Wexford, who stuck with us through taking pace. Hello, Wexford! Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Hurling Podcast. Okay, that was not exactly the result we were expecting, and there's not a lot of positives to take, as Wexford crashed out of the championship at the hands of Clare, and in particular, the impressive Tony Kelly. This week we look for the Clare perspective, with Parig McMahon, the head of news and sport at the Clare Echo. So you were in Poor Leash on Saturday? Yeah, I was, um... Geez, I was very surprised at Wexford. Very surprised. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know. Like, what's the reaction locally like? I don't know. Like, there's a confusion on whether he should stay on or not. No one is. No, obviously, no one is happy. But it, it just. I think people are still kind of in in shock. To be honest. Yeah. Jeez, I thought so. But to, to just two two games in a row is just you can't legislate for that really. Like you know. Yeah, and I don't know why that's more shocking that it was two games in a row because, you know, Drayton was on the wall after the Galway game, but I think it was just trying to tell ourselves that that, that was a once-off. And I suppose believing Davey after when he says, like, this is the 1% performance, like 9% of the performances have been excellent. And he, he, he looked kind of shocked about where the Galway performance came from. But, yeah, I'm still surprised. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, geez, we're... I'm very surprised, like I was expecting, you know, I was near, very few people in Clare thought Clare were going to win, like, you know, um, Wexford would have been the favourites and they completely flopped again, like. And was there much doubt in Clare, was the doubt in Clare because of, since we've come back from COVID, like the performance against Limerick or, and even only getting over the line against Leash, because to be fair, these were top of your league group. Yeah, the league, yeah, it was just... I suppose maybe we didn't put too much um, consideration into the league. Like, you know, we didn't give it as much standing. Whereas, you know, with the championship, I suppose the tip game changed people's views as well. You know, tip getting a bit of a trimming off Limerick. Um, yeah. So that kind of would have... But no, I don't know. It's just the panel doesn't seem as strong as it has been in Clare. Um, but sure, that's kind of your problem as well, really, is the strength in the panel too. Did you notice... Being there, did you notice this person who was supposedly giving Davy abuse from from the stand? Yeah, I saw. Um, I didn't hear now what he had said, but I saw like he was usually doing where Mayorish came or where come on, but he was in the stand um, on Saturday and away from the clear subs and closer to the Wexford. Um, but yeah, he'd be be known around Clare anyway, like he'd be wiry to say the least. Just the lads from '95 are they're raring to go at each other anyway. Not looking good. And did you listen to that radio interview yesterday morning? Was it? We just read read what he said. You know, I think himself and Loch Nan are kind of just using each other to get in the limelight, are they? <laughs> <laughs> he said that he said that we did the same story with Davy last October. That he said, "I feel sorry for Jer Loch Nan." 
So. Yeah, it's it's funny though. Like what George's doing is just baiting them into retaliating with comments, and it's just like I don't know, I don't know. Obviously, Jar won't like those comments about you know I feel sorry for him, but at the same time, he's getting what he wants. Oh yeah, he's getting he's getting, the, he's getting the reaction. Yeah, that's all he wants. Do you know, Gosh, yeah. but I I find like it's twenty five years twenty five years since. Uh, 95, are these lads all going to be lining up beside each other in Crow Park on all Ireland Day for the 25-year anniversary? Well, they were supposed to be before COVID. Like, the big joke was Michael O'Halloran, he'd been cornerback, so he'd have had to stand between um, Davey and Oates. <laughs> <laughs> so they, the lads were preparing him for a few months, but it's, I don't think it's going to happen this year anyway. Yeah, it's a pity. <laughs> sure, they won in 97 as well, two years. We've, we've two years or they're two years to make it up do they <laughs> a little bit longer yeah, I don't think it's going to happen anyway was there so, noticeable tension was there tension between backroom teams or did, did were the backroom teams able to put that aside um, Sorsha Bolfin kind of wandered down towards the Clare side at one stage and then Lohan kind of uh, I won't say growled at him but it was kind of like a big lion and a small cub that you know, show quickly went back to Wexford side. Um, you know, he didn't go back down after that. Then. Did you notice? Obviously, Wexford did okay in the first quarter. Like you know, he, Claire hadn't scored too much. Did you notice that? Um, notice the big change of just Claire pushing up, and then Wexford not been able to move. Well, one of the changes I saw was um, that Connor McDonald was going very well in that first quarter. Um, at centre forward, seemed to be on top of a clear half back line that had been struggling um, throughout the championship. Really, you know, they haven't seemed to find their um, their really get going that half back line. So, you know, I was a small bit worried at the start to see Connor McDonald. He seemed to be, I know he wasn't contributing on the score line, but he was just there was a bit of aggression. You know, Wexford were very fired up at the start, and then. Like as I said, 13 minutes, I think, in the first half after Wexford's second score, they went without getting a point. And then it was the 18 minutes after that, waiting for the next score. Um, you know, I, I don't think there was any particular change in the in the second quarter from Clare's point. It was just Wexford, whether they were so riled up at the start that they just went a small bit flat in the in the second quarter, and Clare took took control then and. Ultimately, that was the lead that we're never going to relinquish. Like, um, and then the goal, second half, it was kind of curtains after that. Because they really were, they were all really wired up, weren't they? Every, and it, like it, it actually went to Clare's benefit in the second half. Wexford were down, and everyone was getting involved in little pushing and shoving matches. Clare be delighted with it. Yeah, and even you would have saw like Lee Chin coming on. It didn't even bring a lift because Wexford were so flat. Like um, at that stage. And you're just, I suppose, from Wexford's point of view, you were looking, kind of looking at lads that were going to step up. Maybe Liam Ryan. I was, that's who I really pinpointed before the game. I thought Liam Ryan, if he won that battle with Shane O'Donnell, it would have been huge. Now Shane O'Donnell wasn't too prolific from, from scoring, but throughout the championship, he's been, you know, assisting the majority of Tony Kelly's scores. You know, his work rate, his turnovers have been very important for Clare. Um, but like Wexford were kind of looking around, and I, I just thought it was a bit of a leaderless display from them. You know, they were looking for someone and there was no one to do it. But as I said, maybe if Conor McDonald was left further out the field, he could have contributed a bit more. But when he started, you know, stopped having an involvement in, in the contest, um, it was it was players were fully in control. And is it that, like, you read these quotes now today, I'm reading them from Pat O'Connor today, 
about Tony Kelly. He really, really, really put the shoulder to the wheel. I know he was on to strength and conditioning coaches just to get pointers on where to get better and how to get better. And the result of it is what you're seeing now. Like, to me, you just hear that and you're thinking, oh, yeah, Tony Kelly put the effort in. But does he not always put the effort in? Like, you know, like, what? Like he, he he had put the he put the effort in, but he had give, was given I suppose more time to devote to actual training. You know there was a, a lockdown period that everyone had to deal with, but you know he was able to train multiple times a day. As far as I know, you know he didn't have the pressures that you'd normally have. Um, but then he was coming into the big change was he came in off the back of a club campaign. You know so fresh off it, and he's Bellier's main man. He he's he's been carrying that team for years. Um, getting them, they've, they've won two county championships, and they, they they weren't they were a senior club for a while, but they weren't really considered a force until Tony came along. So they, I think that's been one interesting thing about the championship is going from club to county as opposed to, to from county to club. So he's brought that form. He's been the main man for club, but he, he he's had no choice but to step up for Clare given the amount of lads that are missing. You know, Peter Dogan, uh, Colin Galvin, Patch Collins is gone, John Conlon. You know, there's been no choice but for Tony to step up and be the leader, and he's really, he's really grasped that this year. Certainly has, yeah. I mean, the jo- the jokes going around when the draw was made is Wexford against Tony Kelly, <laughs> just b- based on how good Tony was, but also the fact that he was the main scorer for for Clare in the other two games. And as it turned out, he outscored Wexford, so <laughs> Tony won Wexford nil. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to make of it. Like, when you think that there's only one man that you need to keep quiet, and you still can't keep him quiet. Just looking at the slow, like you look at him, especially in for the goal that time. How did he? How did Wexford allow Tony Kelly to have that much space? And then you just see this even slow motion, the puck out dropping, and just. He just drifts into the open space and he's there. Like he knows where the ball is. The reading of the game and it's just everything. The big surprise for us is, is you know, given the knowledge the Wexford management have on Tony Kelly and everything he does, and you know, every aspect he brings to his game. That Matthew Hanlon was the one that was chosen to go on him, um, like because Matthew got in at the start, he was trying to rough him up, but as you said there, Gary, for the goal, he could just get away so easily, you know. Um, and and as I said with the train, and he he's he's in a fantastic nick, in fantastic condition, and it's hugely lifted clear. So like that decision is really one that has been scratching heads. Um, you know, given what they know that they weren't able to curb Tony's influence. Yeah, I, I get that, and I know that some people were wondering why Matt was on him, but Matt's a fantastic man marker, and I I know Mark and TJ Reid is a little bit different because it's a different style of player, like. He's got the physicality for TJ and stuff like that. Um, I also thought he was doing quite well on Tony at the start. Like, Claire had the wind, and the first quarter, I think Tony only got the one point from a free or something. Then he scores these outrageous scores from the sideline that, you know, if you were someone marking Tony Kelly, or not, not marking Tony Kelly, but if you're marking somebody and you see him shooting from those angles, you're probably like, well, my job, job is done here. Like, he's shooting from the sideline. But then he just, the second half especially, it just got away from The three points in the first half were just ridiculous. It was like, he shoots one running away from goal on one sideline off his left. He shoots another running away from goal 
on the other sideline off his right, and then one from the corner flag, like, I mean, it was pure pure exhibition stuff, like freestyle hurling almost that you you'd you'd be encouraging um, young hurlers to be doing, but it's it's something nearly are we over coaching players that we're not kind of seeing this touch of magic, like even Richie Hogan's goal for Kilkenny, you know, just to let lads off and properly express themselves without being shackled down by, you know, tactics, of course, and everything are, are needed. But you just, especially at the young age, to cultivate that, that they can just go out and have that magic. Like, obviously, it comes from Tony, hours and hours of work that he's put into it. But you just, I, I would worry that sometimes we're not encouraging, you know, that bit of magic, that bit of freedom and, and expression in the game. I know at the same time if you if you see other players shooting from those angles and they're scuttering wide you're you're not you're not going, Oh hard luck, try it again. <laughs> no, a fair point, but like as I say, it's just you have to just to see it, he has to, you know, to even have tried it and the way he hit it as lads had said, it was just like the way he even his miss, his wrists moved in the first half in the corner for that score. Like he probably was unmarkable for Matthew Hanlon, but just to go back to it, I, I would have felt maybe Sean Murphy might have been a better option from Wexford's perspective, just in terms of fitness alone, like Matthew Hanlon is very fit, but it's just what you have to do with Tony is very different to, as you'd said, Gary, a TJ Reid or, you know, a Garol Hagerty or someone else. Um, and I just felt maybe another Wexford player would have been more suitable to that role. And because, like, you're taking Matthew Hanlon out, of, you, you ultimately have to sacrifice your game. Um, and then... You know, you sacrifice Matthew Hanlon, that is one of your leaders in the Wexford team. Um, you know. Yeah, like he was marking Joe Canning against Galway and like Joe was fairly quiet from play, but that kind of was the plan of Joe going very deep and Matt's doing his job, but he's also not back in defence where he could be quite useful. It's a different thing though, isn't it? I think the the speed difference that Tony Kelly has over Canning and Reed as well. Yeah, probably yeah. wasn't a good matchup for O'Hanlon, unfortunately, for us. Definitely. Shefflin made the comment in um on the Sunday game, he reckoned that Wexford were overtrained and overcoached. I would think maybe he was they appeared to be they appeared to be a little overtrained because they didn't they certainly weren't on top of the ground. Well, no, I think what I'm listening to was more that Wexford seemed a bit flat. Um, you know, and I just, maybe did they put more pressure on themselves? Because there was a lot of talk, if we go back a few months, with the club championship and the way it was structured. Did that automatically put pressure on Wexford? Uh, did it heighten expectations? I don't know, but like, I, I, I just, I don't know, maybe people have, but I just can't put my finger on why two performances like that have been put together back to back. On Wexford's, on Wexford's behalf. I reckon the timing of the club championship, not not that it heightened expectations, but just as everyone else is, we literally have two months without, the players have two months without a championship hurling game. Mm-hmm. They're, most of them are playing football. Like everyone says, oh, Wexford done more training than everyone, but in reality, most majority of them are playing football. Like, But it's pro- I, I reckon, this is my only my personal thing, is that they haven't played a championship hurling game in two months. And the lads who went out early, say the Raps, Liam Ryan, Kevin Foley, wouldn't have played a championship hurling game in nearly three months because they didn't didn't say get out of the group. And Liam Ryan was injured. So he didn't get out of the game. Liam Ryan injured since the league. Since the league. Not everyone has a dedication to Tony Kelly, I suppose. 
Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa now, Ben. Are you saying that, that Liam Ryan and, and uh, Kevin Foley don't have the dedication <laughs> of uh, Tony Kelly? I'm not saying um, they're not dedicated fellas. I'm saying Tony Kelly is on another level. It's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, like it's, 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 I don't know if they'll ever put the finger on why performances were so flat. Because like, I, I would firmly believe that had the championship been played when it was supposed to be played originally, like Wexford were going well in the league, that performance against Kilkenny in the storm was brilliant. So I don't think things would have, obviously it doesn't mean they would have won anything, but the certainly performances I really don't think would have been as flat for whatever reason, then just whatever, just done something wrong in training during the lockdown. Yeah, and I'm wondering, do, do Wexford have a problem, not a problem, but like, they don't have a good record against Munster teams or against Clare, as was pointed out by Davy Redmond and Willie Cleary in the last episode. Mm-hmm. They seem to have Kilkenny's number, but that's gone to the sacrifice of the Munster teams. <laughs> but like, in saying that though as well, Clare and Wexford haven't met too often in Championship, but no. um, I think John, John Davies' time has maybe met possibly four times between league and championship um, and, and Clare won three with sort of one one. Um, like the teams aren't used to meeting each other that much either, you know, so there's no familiarity. Whereas like Gary, you've the Kilkenny playing Wexford every year in minor or under 20, you know, whereas you, you haven't been coming up against Munster teams too often. You know, there has been a bit of a spike in recent years, but prior to that, you know, it was more more qualifiers as, as the weekend was. But, um, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But maintain that league standard. I know Davy was going on about it, getting promoted to the league. But for for Wexford, even for Clare, prior to 2012, had been in Division One B, Division Two for for a while. You know, so playing in the top level of the league, while it's not the be all and end all, it, it's huge for developing players, which has borne uh, the counties that have been there. Uh, you know, a bit of a bit of fruition. I think it is well, for development there, just for just for confidence. You know, coming, you're, you're playing the best. TJ Reid is coming in the league. Joe Canning is coming in the league. And it's not, you know, no offence to the lower ranked teams, but it's, it's just not the same for the whole, the whole county and the, the feeling of the team, you know. What, 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 what's the opinion of Davy and Clare at the moment or in the last couple of years? Like, he won, he won two All-Irelands as a player, as a goalkeeper couple of All-Stars, and then he won the All-Ireland as a manager. Yet he still doesn't seem to be liked, by definitely by a lot of people. I'm not going to say by everybody, but... Well, it's, I think... I suppose he's a divisive character. Um, so some people, they either like him or they don't like him. Um, and that's the same in Clare, like as you said. He has, he's won the two All-Irelands. He's one of only two people that are alive that have managed Clare to win a senior All-Ireland title. Like So... He does. He definitely does have his um, people that would not sing his praises. Um, but I think they're surprised at the minute how quick Wexford have reappointed him. I know he. Ha- I know he had the option to go in the term, but how quick that decision has been reached has caused a bit of surprise. Um, you know, but there are there are people that would wish him the best of luck and would admire what he has done for the game and the success. But a lot of people would also question the time frame of teams. Is there a cycle? Um, that you know, year one comes in with bluster. Generally, you'll have success in year two or year three, and then what happens in year four if that success is not built on, um, which we kind of saw at Wexford this year. 
So I do know he'll be back, obviously, with Wexford, but he'll be very determined um, to go out on a high if that was to be his last year, of course. Um, but he will, it'll be a big motivating factor, which is good in a way for Wexford Hurling that he'll be out to prove a point. He was very determined, obviously, in um, Port Leash on Saturday. You could hear that in the warm up and you could kind of see that transpire in the first few minutes. But um, no, to answer your question, it would be a mixed reaction. But um, generally, you'll have that with a lot of people in Clare Hurling. It's, um, it's a very political scene, Clare Hurling and Clare GA. So, um, you know, there can be friction. Yeah, well, like, I'd say I haven't heard too much about it because, you know, you're not talking to people as much. But I don't think Wex, a lot of the Wexford fans are upset to see it. I'd say most of them are. I think there's a lot of loyalty there, I think, being shown because, you know, the Leinster final last year was such a huge moment for us. And the way he has brought us on, I know the last two games have been terrible but you know there's it could be down to a lot of different reasons just the timing of everything and the time with the players maybe he needs more time or more games or something like that to fine-tune the team I actually thought we looked a bit I, I think n- n- nervous to an extent there's a lot of low passes when I thought they should be pinged into the hand like along the floor and in that weather it just took a long time for to get you know there's too many scenarios where the ball along the floor might get into the player's hand and it slowed things down a lot so I don't know I'm happy to see him back I'll stick with him I won't turn on him like like all those Clare fans (laughs) (laughs) people still love Lachnan again it would be another divisive character yeah Yeah. I think it must be a thing about our All-Ireland managers We, we, we seem to love him at the start and then some people begin to turn on him as, as the year progresses, um, but I would say Lachnan's contributions every Monday in the stair don't help himself, um, endearing himself to the Clare public anyway. Uh, but some people are joking this week that he's kind of turned into a bit of a Eamon Dunphy character because last week or the week previous, one of the weeks anyway, he was saying Clare were at risk of being in the Joe McDonough and then he's lauding Tony Kelly as one of the greatest hurlers of all time. So I don't know. That's it's, right, yeah. I reckon I reckon he writes it and he just puts his hands, rubs his hands together and waits for the reactions to come in the next day. <laughs> and he's just gigg- giggling away to himself. How would the fe- what would the feeling be like for the Waterford game coming up? I think not yeah, it's um gonna be another very tough one. Um Waterford are gonna be favourites anyway. They are, but even there's a bit more confidence in Clare after the Wexford game than than leading into it. Like, but there's a lot of regard and respect for Liam Cahill's ability as a manager from talking to people. Um, and I just think they're, they're talking to people as well. There is a feeling that though people have been stepping up, the likes of Shane O'Donnell have been doing very well, though not contributing as much on the scoreboard. Tony Kelly is going to need a bit more assistance on the scoring stakes if Clare are to prevail. That's the, the general feeling like we saw Waterford at the weekend. But then it was mentioned by Pat O'Connor that, you know, Clare in 2017 and 2018, having lost a Munster final, where we're aware that it's difficult to pick yourself up straight away. And Waterford are doing that now with a very short turnaround time, which is complete opposite to Clare, who are coming in after two wins in two weekends 
with confidence brewing they've had more time you know obviously you can't get as much done with your trainings on a Tuesday and Thursday given the the way this championship is but he clear seemed to be in a better place for this game in terms of mood from the public um that then then they have been in the lead up to the Wexford game I would say but obviously if David McInerney is coming back in expected to play in the starting 15 so there's there's hopes that Aaron Shanahan might be fit and Jack Brown so it seems to be coming together um, at a nice time for Brian Lohan. I don't know about Jack Brown. <laughs> Great hurler, but he's too liable to get sent off. <laughs> too liable to foul. Give away frees. I think I think had a, had he been playing against Wexford, it would have been a good thing for Wexford. Run at him and let him foul you. Although yeah. I don't know if we even got in that far. Yeah, I know. I'd, um, he's no, he's disciplined. He's he's worked on it a bit. Obviously, you're you're remembering 2014. Um, definitely remember that. I'm also remember marking him when I, I was playing in UL uh, with the UL intermediates, and we were playing against the Freshers, and he was with the Freshers, and he just just a nasty nasty player to play against. Like he'd be sledging you, and he'd be pulling out of you, and bursting you in the side. I think it started. It stemmed from there, and then I just delighted in 2014 when I saw him getting sent off against Wexford, and I was like, I know it's like Tomogi. I think it was he fouled. Yeah, no, he'll be, he'll be, he'll definitely be an asset. Like he is one of the more experienced players. Like 2014 is six years ago now, so he's been around the block. Was probably one of Clare's best backs last year, you know. And as well, similar to Tony, has been a top performer for Ballyate or from the same club. So. I think he'd be an addition um, to come into the backs, which I, I would have slight concerns about our half-back line, um, as I had said, isn't as solid. So maybe Dave McInerney could come in there uh, at centre-back. I think that'd short things up a bit for Clare. Um, and just to have more options is, is great for any management. A point you made earlier there about coming off Waterford, coming off a loss, and very hard to pick yourself up after it. And you'd have to make the case then as well. Clare, three weeks on the bounce, the stats of teams winning on the third week is it's just there to see a lot of teams most teams don't do it like I wonder which is because Clare obviously going to have a bit of momentum going to this and I personally don't think Waterford's momentum would be stopped that much because no one expected them to beat Limerick and they put on a better performance like they were in what four points Clare lost by ten points I think Tipperary nine points so I like, I don't know. I still would make the case that Waterford won't be as down as as you might think. As you might think, they would be coming back off a, a monster final loss. They wouldn't want to be too confident, though. <laughs> Not like Wexford. <laughs> no, wouldn't want to be too confident at all. But. Uh... Maybe it's not, but I just think the championship is. We're getting like Tony there at the weekend, especially in Richie Hogan. We're getting a small bit of magic, which I think had been lacking greatly for the first, um, definitely for the provincial semi finals. Um, so if we can get two great quarterfinals at the weekend, that'd be a result. And obviously, we'd be hoping for a clear result um, to go our way down here. So you're probably happy enough to get Walford as well, though, considering Galway and Tip. Well, they were, I don't think there was either of them would have been an easy draw. Um, you know, I would highly rate Liam Cahill as a manager uh, for very positive reports, and he seems he seems what he's done with Waterford is he, it it can't really be knocked. You know, they got their first championship win in, in almost two years. You know, to break a hoodoo, even though it's small, but 
that that's an achievement. And Shane O'Neill also in his first year um, with Galway, neither of them would have been easy. So just to be in the draw was was a plus then, to be honest. Um, and I think it's kind of wait and see what happens now. Well, Brian Law now just be happy. I bet Davy, I'm done now. <laughs> Well, I think it's been highlight of the year. But um, no, he, he a big smile on his his face in Port Leash on Saturday, and Brian wouldn't be one really to show his emotions. Um, yeah. so, now he kept his cool and everything on the sideline. He couldn't fault him in that regard. But um, yeah, that that win meant a lot to him, I'd say. Uh, and you know, I think it'd be up there. It's it's up there. It's it. You know, he had he had a good league campaign as manager, but um, to get to a quarter final and just have that. That's given the players that are missing. That's a decent campaign so far, but obviously he'd be hoping it doesn't end this weekend. It's interesting, isn't it? What one one win does? Like I, I reckon if he probably wouldn't have got a second year if Wexford had a one, and Wexford wouldn't have gotten any credit for beating Clare. Everyone would have just said this is the Clare team missing all those players. Well, well, they they probably wouldn't have got credit, but I just for any management, whether it's an under sixteen team or senior. This year is particularly difficult, particularly when you're in your first year as manager. So I don't think it could have been held against him. But you're dead right that the the way one result can flip a season and flip the whole narrative is is remarkable, really. Like um, even if David Fitzgerald, if it went right against Clare for Wexford and then they petered out in the quarterfinal, it might have been as too as bad. But um, yeah, it, it has given. Brian, a better lift and less, I suppose, criticism of the team, which which was there after the Leash game. They were getting criticised um, for only beating Leash by a pint with 14 men. But, you know, conceded three goals against Leash. But yet again, to go back to, to another head-scratcher was, I think, Wexford only had, obviously against the Breeze, but only tested Aver Quilligan once in the first half. You know, that would have been something that you would have thought they'd gone in and really test this goalie. He's in his first championship campaign. Um, so there were just moments like that that would have surprised you from from Wexford's side of it. Yeah, and it actually took us a long time to it took us into injury time. We were still knocking over points when we were eight nine points down with minutes left. It was a bit strange one. It was it was frustrating to watch. Now, no offense to Davy, if he, li- he listens in. <laughs> Tip and Galway are in the other other quarter final. I was just remembering a few games there. They've had a few classics over the years. Remember, uh, Callanan scored 3-9, 3-4 from play in 2015. And I remember I was at the, the semi-final in 2016 where Callanan actually didn't score. But there was, tip. this is one tip one when he didn't score. But there was utter panic whenever he was near the ball. And that just allowed the other tip forwards to score e- easier. And then 2017, of course, was that last minute point from Canning to put him into the final. How do we see that one going? Another classic? I think Tipperary are under pressure. Hopefully, if we get a classic, that'd be great, but I really think Tipperary are under pressure. If you look at the age profile of their team, as you mentioned, Shami Callan and Porrick Maher, and I just thought it was interesting to go back a few months when we didn't know what was going to happen. The managers that came out the strongest in favour of the championship were Liam Sheedy and David Fitzgerald. So I think Liam would know himself that, that there's a small window for these particular Tipperary players to maybe capitalise on their opportunity for success. Um, and one of the big talking points, I suppose, uh, is the McGraths coming in off the back of a long club campaign. They need to hit fire for Tipperary to, 
to you know get on top. But Galway have been impressive. Again, Shane O'Neill blooding in a few new players. Brian Cancanon, who's been there thereabouts on the panel the last couple of years, has been trusted with a starting spot. He's done well. And of course, Connor Whelan, probably one of the greatest forwards. Um, definitely there, there is at the minute, but he's he's just a joy to watch. And he'd light up in November, um, Sunday, Saturday, whatever it'll be for, for the supporters at home. Some of the dirty balls that Concanon was winning were savage. Like usually... We look at Whelan and we think, just he'll win any ball. They probably have two of them in there now. You still have to put Whelan ahead, like, because he's done it consistently and he's he is just pure class, like. But it's ridiculous some of the balls that Concanon was coming out with. When when you have players like that, it's just it's such an advantage because you can play one or two of them in there and they're still going to win the ball off. Like they're going to win the seven the the thirty seventy ball. You look at Gillan at Limerick and then. Kilcannon and Whelan and it's just such an advantage it allows you to play so much more defensively with the rest of your players oh yeah gives you much more much more confidence but as you said earlier Gary Matthew Hanlon's job on Joe Canning like you, it, he, he nullified him that day but it just shows he can be out of the game and they still have the quality forwards like Brian Kilcannon or Connor Whelan and even Kyle Mannion gone back to midfield you know they, they, they're blessed with options Tiberi as well just seems to maybe is the balance a bit wrong. I know they're all Ireland champions, but is the balance a bit wrong in terms of age profile, in terms of younger lads coming in that you'd be hoping? Like, is Jake Morris, we wouldn't be holding him in the same regard as Con Cannon or Conor Whelan, in my opinion. Um, and even Brian Cannon, Cannon's only in his first year. I just don't know. Has, but maybe he'll, he'll step up and prove us wrong. But I, I would have, I, you'd be nudging towards Galway, I think, but um, a lot on the line for Tipperary. Biggest surprise for me with Tipperary was the two McGraths coming off. I wouldn't say there's been too many matches where the two of them have been have been taken out, and I, I know Bonner Mar was brought off as well. But I'd, I'd say he's only getting his fitness back. But I, I thought Cork did so well. I had um, I think I had tipped him in our last episode, but then once I saw Bonner Mar and Dan McCormick starting, I changed my mind. But then I was still extremely impressed with Cork for the first 40 minutes of the game with the fight that they brought after being questioned so much. And I'm wondering, were they, did they just run out of steam in the end? I wouldn't know. I wouldn't have thought Cork ran out of steam, but they're just, in saying that, tip, they just, a word I think Liam Sheedy would use himself is grit. They know what to do when it's kind of there in the last 10 minutes, last 15 minutes. You can't afford you know, an underdog, Cork where the underdogs going in. You can't afford to leave them there, they're about sniffing for a win. Um, and again, that's going to be interesting as well, the experience on the field, but the experience off the field. Um, Sheedy is an excellent manager, well regarded. Shane O'Neill has done very well at club level. Um, I think he's been involved in clubs in Tipperary prior to Napierschik, so he'd have he'd have his knowledge anyway that he's, that he's before even doing his homework. So, um, if, if you were to go based on the sideline, you'd favour Sheedy, but I suppose on the field you'd, you'd be you'd be nudging Galway. They just seem to be collectively, collectively in a small bit of a better place than Tip, in my opinion. Sheedy's very pumped on the sideline, isn't he? <laughs> he certainly is. <laughs> when that show that uh, shoulder on the sideline against Cork in the first the opening quarter, and he was more animated than any score. <laughs> He's getting his team what he wants, you know, get that fine balance between the tough lads and the hurlers. Because he has, he has both. Like, like to think he made those changes 
Michael Breen coming in off the bench, five points. And Dan McCormack scores two points. He has Bonner Maher as well. Like he can, they can play a tip whatever way, whatever way the game is wanted. He just might have to make a few changes. But like that, that goes back to even going. It just reminds me what you're saying, Ben. I think it was the 2005 semi-final, Cork and Clare, Ronan Curran and Brian Corcoran. I think were taken off. Just shows the top managers will make those calls. They won't be afraid to do what Cork went on to win the All Ireland that year. And Sheedy is a top manager. He won't be afraid to do it. And you just, whereas you look at the other teams, they don't really have the options. Tip, they do have a bit of quality lads that maybe aren't good enough. Willie Connors um, is one lad that stepped up out over the weekend. But it's just to have, it's a big plus for players. Or maybe it's not a plus, but it just keeps them on their toes to know nobody's safe here. And and that's it with Sheedy. He just keeps everyone on their toes. Um, and, and really a top manager who will be, you won't want to relinquish the crowns all Ireland champions easily. No, I I don't think he will. I'm expecting I'm expecting this game to be no offense to the Clare Waterford game, but I am expecting this game to be something special now. Maybe I'm just we've been spoiled with these games the last couple of, last few years, I suppose, and how good they are. But and the Cork or the, the Cork tip game was, was fairly good as well now, I think. Yeah, I think the Cork tip game was good. I thought the Kilkenny Galway game was very good as well and just Richie, Richie giggling at Richie Hogan's goal it was just so good yeah. but even TJ Reid I, I agree Richie's goal is synthetic but TJ Reid it just it's the thing you'd put on a tape and show any team whether it's Hurling or Camogie just he just has the class to know he'd have been just the way he did it I just you knew it was going to be a goal yeah. but just between TJ and Richie two, two hurlers that were just privileged to be watching he watched TJ yeah. the whole time when he goes in on goal. He always knows the exact right time to put the ball in his hand, breaks the tackle, back on the hurl. Always. It's always at the, the right time, exactly. TJ just makes it look so easy. Like To him, it didn't look like he was trying extremely hard or anything. It's just, it's just so natural to him. It just seems to be the case in Kilkenny. They're just... He was on local radio and Clare last weekend and they were just talking about looking ahead to the games and I just quoted the famous second captain's line about Kilkenny that after the apocalypse all that will be left will be cockroaches and the Kilkenny hurlers. <laughs> just, you just can't write them off. Um, they're fantastic and Brian Cody as well. I know we're doing a lot of praise in the managers but yeah, just excellent. Oh, well, I did say it in our last episode. Kilkenny are good at hurling, Ben. It did. It is. I. I can't argue. So we're going with. Uh, you're going with Galway and and Clare, I assume. I, yeah, I couldn't come on and not back Clare really. So I. I'd have to say Galway. Galway and Clare. But look at this. I'm saying Galway and Clare, but won't be surprised if it's Tipperary and Waterford. Like they're very hard to call. Very little between the teams. But like the battle there now, what you're saying between Galway and Tipperary, are we seeing one of those teams that could emerge? From that and win all Ireland, possibly, but as Kevin Moran said, the other side of the draw, Clare and Waterford, they're the two teams that are going to go in under the radar. All the folks will be on tipping Galway, the big game. So those two teams will go quietly about their business. And um they, they, whoever wins that game is going to be the underdog for the semi final, whereas you know, whether it's Tip or Galway, if, whoever they're playing, whether it'll be Kilkenny or Limerick, either of them could wear the favourites tag against Kilkenny. Yeah, that's a good point. As everyone else is saying, I don't know why we're still playing because the talk is Limerick have the All-Ireland won already. So, um, you know, 
It's what we all thought last year. Yeah, it is, to be fair. And I keep trying to tell myself it's not a foregone conclusion. And then I look at them playing and I know I, I thought Waterford did really well against them. But they still just eased away in the last 10, 15 minutes. Like it was tight the whole way through. And Waterford, you're thinking, geez, they're really putting up. Clearing that first game level after half time, And then just five minutes, 10 minutes into the second half, it was over. I think if they were to come up against Galway, it would be very interesting because um, I, I just, even though they're going very well, I think their full back line, Mikey Casey, is a huge loss and Richie English, two underrated players. I think just as we're talking about there, Brian Cancan and Hannah Whelan, their ball winning ability, get the ball, take them on. I think that'd be a, a really interesting game if we did see Galway and Limerick because um, I think Sean Finn, fantastic hurler, um, one of the the top cornerbacks, I think, to, to have emerged in the last six years um, and really knows the art of defending and maybe the, the black art, Scary, that you experienced with uh, <laughs> in the UL. But, um, yeah, I think that could be a fascinating game if it was to happen. But, um, you know, Tiberi got a bit of a hiding off Limerick in the Munster final last year and went on to win the All-Ireland. So it is it is interesting to call. But once we, once we get good games, I think that's the... The main thing really. What about you, Ben? Who have you got for these games? Oh, Tip and Waterford. Tip Tim by maybe Waterford. a point or two and Waterford. The, the, the intensity they brought to that Limerick game was savage, really. And I think it'd be interesting to see what they do with Tony Kelly. It'd be interesting to see. Like they're definitely gonna have a man marker on him. Probably someone a bit faster. Maybe maybe Callum Lyons might sacrifice his game and just follow him around. We'll see. What do you think, Gary? I'm always uh, I always leave it up to the last second to decide these things. <laughs> we go Tony Kelly and <laughs> no, yeah, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Claire just because again they're gonna be underdogs and Paddy, you, you kind of or Paddy, you, you changed my mind there on. Um, on coming off the loss against in the Munster final. That, I think that could have an impact. And I know, Ben, you said that they weren't expected to win, but they expected to win. You don't go into a Munster final and not expect to win it. So I'm going to go with Clare on that. And I think Galway. I think Galway. I think they were, they were very good against Wexford. I know Wexford are poor, but... You know, they, they look to be getting the better Kilkenny for so long as well. And maybe that's where they lose out to Tipperary. They could be looking to get to be, they could be getting the better of them and then lose out in the last, the last 15 minutes of the game, similar to how Tipperary got over Cork. So now I've just changed my mind and going to Tipperary. Galway should have won that game. Yeah, they, could, they should have, but should they? <laughs> Goals win games, as they say. Goals win games and a bit of class. Richie's goal. Pure class now. So good. So good. And then TJ. Damien Hayes was trying to make the point the other day now that uh, the goalkeeper kind of jibbed. He kind of carried out a challenge when he went out to, out to Richie Holland. Honest, I listened to that and I didn't think Damien made a lot of sense in a lot of his comments. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can I, see I, it. Like he, I don't know. Maybe the keeper, if he's gone, he has to make sure he gets everything. That, that could be fair. It's what Fanning does, in fairness. When Fanning comes out, he comes out throwing everything at it. I think when he looks back and at the goal, he will be disappointed with it. Um, obviously, he'll be shown on the career highlights reel of Richie Ogan, but I do think 
I'd be lightly agreeing with Damien on that one that the goalie should have done better. But uh, not taking away from Richie's moment of magic or anything. It's magic regardless what way you look at it, like whether the keeper, you know, who else who else would do that? Like it's just incredible. It's so fast you couldn't even see it. Like I just you see it first and you think, Oh, the ball just happened happened to pop up from. You're looking at it going, how did that happen again? <laughs> how did the ball end up in the back of the neck net from there? Brilliant goal. No, incredible really. All right, thanks very much for uh, for joining us. No bother at all, lads. Thanks for having me. A very disappointing end to the year for Wexford. A year which we would have had high hopes for, considering our performances last year. Unfortunately, Shane Tompkins couldn't make it, as he is currently auditioning to become Davy's man in the stands. His job will be to hurl abuse at opposition managers for next year. We'll be back soon with another podcast. Thanks for listening. Most importantly, I'd like to thank you, the people of Wexford, who stuck with us through taking pain. Hello, Wexford! <laughs>